The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You found Destination Love with Shelley Pumphrey. This is not a program about becoming the perfect date or how to get that special someone you've been admiring to notice you. Instead, we'll bring you the science behind how to find love and show how being your true self generally works best. Now, here's your host, Shelley Pumphrey. Hello, welcome to our very first episode of Destination Love. This is your host, Shelley Pumphrey, and I am so very excited to begin this journey with you. Today for our first show, we have a little bit of a different show than we'll usually have. I am actually going to be interviewed by one of my friends and colleagues, Willow Bradner. Willow is otherwise known as the accidental psychic. She is a very well-known Reiki master, psychic medium, and all around good time, fun haver, mom, wife, and an absolute change maker. Um, Willow has dedicated her life to teaching others about their innate intuitive abilities and helping people rediscover their true spirits. And I invited Willow onto this show because, as you'll probably find out as we start to talk here today, she's a lot of fun, but she has a lot of wisdom and a lot of truth. And one of the things that this show is going to be about is about helping us all be more authentic and genuine in our relationships. And Willow has a ton to offer when it comes to that. Um, So she's definitely going to chime in about that today. But I'm going to hand it over here to you, Willow, and introduce you. I'm so honored to have you today. Well, I'm beyond honored for the invitation, Shelley. And I'm just so excited because as much time as you and I have spent together, I feel like I'm going to get to learn about you today just as your listeners will get to learn about you, about what you do. Um, so I'm really excited for, for you to just sort of start out and tell us about Destination Love and what your vision is for your show. Yay, we could talk about it. Well, Destination Love is really my vision of a place to talk about everything um, about relationships. And it's, my bigger vision is not to be, to make this be all about dating and, and morphing into this perfect person so that you can catch that perfect man or woman for you. Um, Really, um, this show is a lot deeper than that. I am a therapist and I'm also a relationship and dating coach. And I bring a lot of my clinical experience from my years in the psychology field to this show. And so I want to I want to have the show be a mix of psychology, science, like I talk a lot about the brain and how the brain works in relationships and just in how we connect with each other. And um, we might even get a little mysterious as uh, Willow and I like to talk about, uh, we like to use the word woo-woo. Um, that's, <laughs> you know, the, the things that science can't explain. So we might go a little bit over on that side as well. Um, but it's it's really a forum to talk about how to make our relationships ha- healthy, happy, and compatible, and to really understand how we function um, when we're looking for love and when we're in love with people or trying to be in love with people. So that's well, really I love the, the word. I love the word um, relationship in general because it. I think it is often miscategorized as that it has to be in love and passionate love and like romantic love. Whereas relationship to me really states this idea of it can be family relationship. It can be work relationship. Relationship really is very broad as is love. And you call yourself the love strategist. So do you want to kind of explain that to us? Yeah. And I love what you said about relationship because you know, when I started this business, as it, I, I really thought of my, I initially started thought of myself as a dating coach, and it wasn't catching it because I really look at the bigger picture of relationships. And um, like you said, relationship is with anybody. A relationship can be with ourselves, it could be with our family, it could be with a coworker, a friend, um, or our partner. So 
this information on this show is really to help people understand how every relationship functions. So as a, I, I switched over to calling myself a love strategist because I really believe that, first of all, as humans, we all have a desire to be loved and we all have a right to be loved. And mm-hmm. the, the tragedy in it is that most people walk around on this planet not feeling enough love. And I have a very strong belief that um, we're misguided. We get all of these messages as we grow up that tell us um, in one way or another that we're not good enough, we're not lovable, something's wrong with us, and it's just a bunch of, you know, crap, basically. And I want to help people see through that because... um, First of all, there's nothing wrong with us as humans. We need to have compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. And so a lot of that is helping people understand how how they can um, learn to love themselves, how they can learn to love other people and have healthy relationships from that as a foundation. I love it. And I mean, that's it. I mean, you're, you're strategizing people back to love in themselves and in their lives. So, and, and I'm guessing, Shelley, just from having listened to that, that your experience is more than just the clinical background and having gone to school and having, you know, gotten a life coaching certificate and having pieces of paper on your wall, but you're passionate about this and you're relatable about it. So it means that somehow your background maybe is more in-depth, right? Like you've experienced the same thing that the people walking on the street have, the people that you're working with. You sound very relatable when you're talking about not feeling like you're good enough, more or less, or that you need to work on your self-worth. This feels like in line with something that you may have had to work through as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I always like to say, like, I, I've, I've had over 20 years of experience as a therapist. Like, I've got the degrees. I, I've got the expertise. But I wouldn't be doing this if I wasn't human before I got all of those degrees. And Amen, sister. Yeah, right. Um, that's that's where this starts. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I really like to do in my work is to be more open and authentic with my own stories, um, because I think that it can help people relate and help them free themselves of their own shame around, you know, whatever's holding them back. Um, I used to call, I like to call myself the girl who hid, because most of my mm, life, I, like I, I hid, I hid from everybody. I hid from myself. I hid from my partners. And I was incredibly, um, I was incredibly afraid of letting myself be seen because I had a belief that I wasn't good enough for anyone. Um, and once I recognized that that had become a quite a pattern in my life and in my relationships, I started doing a lot of work, a lot of personal growth. You know, there was a lot of pain in there, but there was a lot of joy in, in starting to figure out what what's going on. Why do I keep doing this? Why am I hiding in my life? Mm-hmm. And um, the more personal side of this is that I was married for 10 years and I was not happy. It was, it was not the greatest relationship um, on earth. And um, we, you know, struggled for many years and I finally got the strength to leave the relationship. And that was about six years ago. So in the last six years, I have been, um, doing a lot of soul searching and relationship relationship searching. And in this search, I started realizing some patterns that were going on in all of my relationships. Um, you know, I realized that I kept attracting people to me that seemed to validate this belief that I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is going on? Why do I keep attracting all of these jerks in my life? And it, you know, it finally started to get clear for me that there was something with me. It wasn't all about them. I was bringing this on myself because I believed that. Um, so I had to get, I had to get real. I had to, yeah. to get, you know, sort through this stuff and say, okay, it's time to look at what's going on here. Where do these stories come from? And you need to stop, you know, repeating this pattern in your life. So in, in going through that, I started finding a whole new different quality of men in my life and just in friends and coworkers, like everybody in my life started to change because I changed. And so, right. When you start taking responsibility for who you are, 
in the relationship, I feel like it's inevitable that you bring in, you, you bring you to the table. You, you totally. show up. When you show up, everything changes. Right, right. I mean, that's how I met you. Like, it's, it's the process of, like, being in this space where, you know, I, you know, like, I think you're the same way. Like, you've been through your stuff, and you're in this place where you, you're lighting up, you're letting yourself be seen in the world, and I think we're very happy people, and the people around us are very happy people because they're doing the same kind of thing. So there's a lot of power in this, and I really feel passionate about helping people figure out how to do that so that they can bring those type of happy, uplifted people into their lives as well and change their relationships from that. Shelly, can you back up for one second and say that again? Yeah. I want to have people... Um, I know how uplifting this has been for me and how much power there is for us to um, have this feeling of, you know, feeling good enough and then attracting all these wonderful people who feel the same way around us. And I, I so I feel passionate about helping people um, find that within themselves so that they can experience those kind of positive relationships and partnerships with uh, people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. So, yeah. okay, can you talk to me a little bit about love styles? I know you work with that, and I, I don't. I don't even know what it means. Is it something that you've created, or is it something from someone else? Yeah, um, the love styles. This this is my one of my favorite topics. So, um, one of the things that I like to teach people is this concept called the love styles. And if any of my listeners have um, any experience in or have read any books on attachment, there's a, a very well known book that kind of gets passed around in the dating world called Attached. Um, by Heller and Levine. I'll give them a little shout out. Um, So some people are aware of this. Most people are not. So the love styles are my concept that are based on what we call human attachment. And what attachment is, is the simplified version is that in those first few years of life, when we're infants and toddlers, our needs are we have needs that need to be met by our caregivers or our parents. So let's say you're crying and uh, you're you're hungry and you're crying and your mom comes and feeds you and meets that need. And what happens is thousands and thousands of times over those first few years, you express a need, your parent or caregiver comes and meets that need in a certain way, and you learn everything you need to know about relationships in those formative years in that way. So um Let's say your mom comes and feeds you and is very nurturing. And, you know, every time that you're crying or hungry or tired or, or cold, she comes and takes care of you. What that teaches you is you're going to have some um, good relationships. You know how to um, depend on people. You know that relationships are safe. So you don't really grow into adulthood fearing um, intimacy and relationships with other people because you've learned that it's a safe place for you. So, so I'm not screwing up my kid is what you're telling me. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you're feeding her and doing that stuff, you're doing I just fine. Her. She seems She'll be good. good. So she's, right? So I can take money out of her therapy jar this week. That's great. Yes. You, you take like $20 out, you'll be good. <laughs> so what are the love styles? What, so what are the categories? So the, the love styles basically come from this concept of how, you know, those first few years um, – come out for you. So there's basically four love styles that I, that I teach. And if, if you think about it on a spectrum, like nobody is just one specific love style, everybody falls somewhere on a spectrum. So in the middle of the spectrum is what I call the love stabilizer. And that's like what I just described. This is the, this child who's raised with healthy relationship and doesn't really struggle with relationships as an adult. I mean, it doesn't mean they don't get their heart broken at times, but they're comfortable with intimacy. They're comfortable with the process of getting to know somebody. Um, So that's kind of smack dab in the middle. Those are the people that don't struggle a lot with it. Over on Mm -hmm. the other side is what we call a love connector. And a love connector is somebody who gets their needs met periodically as a child, like sometimes their needs are met very well by a parent. Sometimes a parent isn't available to them. And I always like to say this isn't because parents are purposely doing a bad job. I mean, sometimes it is. But sometimes it's just that maybe a, mo- a mom has four kids that they're taking care of and they can't possibly be there to meet their needs all the time. So you mm-hmm. might get your needs met inconsistently, inconsistently. What happens with this is that you go into your adulthood 
having a lot of anxiety about relationships because you're always wondering, is this going to be the time that my needs get met or is this not going to be the time? So relationships create a lot of anxiety and tension for you, especially when you have distance from a partner. So these are the people that go into relationships and start to, um, you know, like really get, they struggle with um, if somebody isn't texting them back after a date or um, Mm. they haven't heard from their partner in a few hours and they start to get frantic and they might send a lot of like dramatic texts like, where are you? Are you cheating on me? It's that kind of stuff that can play out with somebody that's a love connector. Um, So that's kind of one end of the spectrum. Now I'm going to explain the other, another end, which is uh, what we call the love resistor. And a love resistor is somebody who doesn't really get their needs met at all as a child. This person basically learns it's not safe to depend on others. And so every um, man I've ever dated prior to my marriage was that guy. <laughs> wow. Well, we should talk about that. <laughs> I, I you and I have that I, in know, common. We'll, we'll talk about that here. That, but interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's the person who really struggles with, um, intimacy and connection, they really try to avoid Mm -hmm. commitment. And anytime things get close, they pull away. Um, And there is one other um, type of love uh, or one other person that's on the spectrum. And that's what we call a love paralyzer. But we are going to have to take a break here for a commercial really quick. So when we come back, we'll talk more about that and how those love styles play out for us as adults. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. You're listening to the Destination Love Show with Shelly Pumphrey and Willow Bradner. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Welcome back to Destination Love. This is Shelley Pumphrey, your host, and we are here with Willow Bradner, and we're talking about the love styles today. Um, what we were starting to talk about before we stopped for a break was um, the four love styles and where we stopped was at what we call the love paralyzer. And what I really put the love paralyzer in the middle of this spectrum because the love paralyzer has the characteristics of both the love resistor, which is where they're really avoiding that intimacy and connection. But then they also have the characteristics of the love connector where they really crave a relationship and crave that intimacy and connection. So they always feel this kind of stop and start in relationships. Like they may really want to get into something with someone. And then as soon as things get close, they freeze and they don't know what to do. Um, Where so these were people, you in my 20s? God, I, I know. <laughs> my 20s and 30s, I would have really maybe not gotten in a lot of these relationships that I had this information. Right. So, so we have the love stabilizer, the love connector, who the love connector feels as though they kind of are anxious, it seems like, over love. Right. That would probably relate to me the most. And then <laughs> what was the third one again? The There's a the love, love resistor. Resistor, the, the love resistor yes. who is like kind of not comfortable with intimacy or vulnerability. And then the last is the one that sort of sits between the love connector and the love resistor. Right. The, the love, love paralyzed. paralyzed. Yeah. 
Yeah, so and it's, per, is, there, is there a percentage of a, a amongst the list, or is it sort of like a crapshoot in terms of who you're going to date or, or who no, you're going to live? You know, that, that's a great question. There actually is. Um, the research shows that about twenty five percent of people fall into the love resistor side. Another 25% fall into the love connector side, and then about 50% fall into the middle in the love stabilizer. And there's about a 5%, I know the percentages don't perfectly add up, but it's around 5% of the population have the love paralyzer. Um, So it's out there. And what I always like to tell people is if you're out in the dating world, um, it is more common to find a lot of love resistors in, in, especially in online dating. And there's reasons for that. If you think about it, love resistors don't like to be in relationships or if they get in relationships, they don't stay in them very long. So they're back into the dating pool pretty quickly. So I end up working with a lot of love connectors who are really struggling and they keep finding all these love resistors. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we, they have opposing needs. It sounds like that was what you had um, as a pattern. It's definitely what I had as well. What happens if you get in a relationship with one of these resistors, but you're in love because how many times has that happened? Right. We were, we're the love connector in love with the resistor. I mean, I know we can't change the resistor, but is the resistor changeable? Can well, they find themselves more stabilized in love? What I always like to say is that um, it really depends on how strong they are on that, on that um, spectrum. Some people who are highly resistant, are um, they really don't see a need to change. Um, and so they're just quite okay with their life. They prefer to be independent. Um, and the thing is, is with these love styles, this is not just like a choice or a behavior we've learned. This is something that's very biological and instinctual. Our brains are actually wired to, to be in this certain way. It's, it's mm-hmm. all about really this developed, um, you know, like a, as we were cavemen and we needed to survive as a species. So it, it's a way that we learn how to attach to, you know, our primary caregivers so that we can stay alive. So our, our brains are essentially wired in this way. Um, so it's a, it's not an easy thing to change, but it is changeable if you are either in a, like a very stable relationship or, well, you can be in a relationship that can change it. And the way that it can change is, let's say that you're a love connector, you have a lot of anxiety, but you fall in love with somebody who's a love stabilizer, who's very consistent, very stable, trustworthy. That can really bring your anxiety down and help you become more of a stabilizer because you're not feeling that anxiety all the time. Right. But then... I think that's sort of what happened for me. I think I was always uh a love connector, but now I'm in a stable relationship. So it's almost like both of us are stabilized, love stabilized together. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what can happen. And then there's the, the opposite that can happen where, let's say you're just a little bit of a love connector. You might be a little bit closer to the love stabilizer side, but you date somebody who's a really tough love resistor and they're very avoidant. It can bring, it can like make you really strong um, as a love connector. Like you can get really anxious and, and do a lot of, uh, you know, you can really suffer a lot in a relationship like that because of the other person's style being so high on that scale. Um, I like so, seriously should just give your phone number out to at least 20 guys. <laughs> Maybe my girlfriends too, who are in these relationships. <laughs> seriously, seriously. I'm going to make you rich, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, this, I will tell you my, what happened to me. I always call this the summer of angst. I have this little personal story. You know, I had worked with attachment as a therapist for much of my career. I was very familiar with it. But for some reason, there was some block in my brain. Imagine that, um, that I just was not seeing this within myself. So after my divorce, I know I was, I, I was dating and I had a pattern like yours. I, I'm a love connector and I was dating one love resistor after another. And I had one summer I was dating this guy who was, he was like the king of, of love resistors. Like this guy was so afraid of intimacy, but he kept trying to keep me roped in and what happened is I, I was so anxious the whole summer, like something just never felt right. Every time I was away from him, I, there, I couldn't 
all I could do was think about him. My mind would just race with thoughts. Um, I was preoccupied. I almost felt like I was having a panic attack sometimes. And I thought, mm-hmm. God, I'm usually not an anxious person. Like, what is going on? Um, but I, you know, I kept getting, like, every time I was with him, things were great. But then the minute we'd part ways, I started to just go into this high anxiety. And, it, you know, I finally broke up with the guy because he was not a good good person for me. Um, but it, that was the when I had my aha moment that what is going on here? Why am I feeling all this anxiety? So what was happening is love connectors feel like our brains get activated when our partner or the person that we're attached to starts to pull away from us in some way. Yeah. And so what it means by being activated is it means that we start to literally feel all of that anxiety. It can be very physical. We may not be able to control our thoughts about it. We're like totally preoccupied. Um, you may want to do crazy things sometimes like text the person a hundred times or um, you might even drive do, like, by their you, house. Drive-bys, drive-bys, totally. Yes, and there's, you know, there's some of the more dramatic things people do, like you might try to make the person jealous or um, say, fine, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to break up with you when really inside you're hoping that they just come and give you a big hug and stay with you. Um, So it can look really dramatic when that anxiety gets out of control. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, the drive-bys for sure. You know that one. Absolutely, yes. I I logged a lot of miles driving by. (laughs) A yes, love connector you are. So, okay, you've said a word a couple of times that I'm going to bring up because it, it's it's something that I absolutely believe in, and that is that you were attracting certain kinds of men, and I believe very much that that we attract people to the vibration that we live in, and what that means for me is that if I'm in a low-vibe situation, if I'm in a bad time period in my life, I'm likely to attract something similar to my life in terms of dating or relationship. Same said as if I'm having a really good time in my life, I'm more likely to maybe attract a high vibe person to my life. So do you want to speak a little bit to that, that sort of attraction thing that you keep bringing up? Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I think that's, to me, there's some mystery and some science to that. Um, it's such a powerful question. Um, I think that you're, you're spot on, like how, however we're feeling inside, like there's this energy about it. And if, you know, if we're walking out in the world and we feel really horrible about ourselves, how is it possible that we could attract somebody who's this amazing human being, um, to come into our lives and, you know, be compatible with us? I mean, the only way that you're going to be compatible with somebody is if you're on that same level. So if you feel like you're not good enough, if you don't think that you're beautiful or smart enough or, you know, you're going around with all the not enoughs going on in your head, you're going to attract people who validate that for you. It's that same, on that energetic level, I really believe that. But the other way that I always like to explain it to people is that we also have core beliefs and core beliefs are these things that sometimes we don't even know what they are. But often two of the biggest things that I see in my practice with people is it's either the belief that you're not good enough or the belief that you won't be loved. And Mm. when we have that as a belief, we start to look at all of our experiences in our lives through that lens. And it becomes so strong that we reject anything that invalidates that belief. So if somebody comes along, this amazing man comes along in my life and says, you're amazing. And and in my eyes, he's like so good. Like, I don't think I'm good enough for him because he's perfect in my world. I I will sabotage that relationship. I will say, no, I can't be with him because I'm not good enough. Or he must not really (laughs) like me. He doesn't see the real me. You know, so then it's impossible to attract somebody of a higher standard because you're down here in the dumps believing all this negative stuff about yourself and you you just keep like no I have to believe this belief I have to validate it so I'm going to search out partners who are going to validate that for me you know what well, I mean? I've also seen with my client base that they have like this knight in shining armor syndrome where they like create a person that frankly doesn't exist yeah so they can never be hurt so it's like they want somebody who's going to come in, swoop in, fix all the problems, 
make them feel like they're good enough, make them feel like a princess, whatever words you want to use, but, but the characteristics of the person aren't actually realistic. And so anybody who does show up who even resembles something like it, they shut down and shoot down right away because there's no way that that right. person's still good. Like, they make that guy not good enough. Exactly. Yeah. So why do you think people do that? To protect themselves. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. To protect again, themselves. Think, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's interesting that we, there, there's two layers of attraction. It's like, one, we're trying to attract something that doesn't exist. And on the other hand, we're trying to attract something that does exist. Exactly. Attractions are interesting. It's an interesting conundrum. <laughs> right. Right. And it's so important to be in, in alignment. If you're not in alignment, then you're, you're not going to be attracting the right partner for you. You know, like you, that inner stuff that you sometimes, um, like that's my favorite work to do with people is to help them uncover that inner subconscious stuff that they are not, they're not aware that it's there, but it plays out in everything in their lives. So right, you have to uncover beliefs. that, right. You got to get those core beliefs out there so that you know what they are and so that you can make sure that it's not getting in the way of attracting that person that you have this, you know, that Prince Charming that you have in your mind. Like they've got to be in alignment. Prince Charming has to be in alignment with you being Princess Charming. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the word soulmate or the one? I'm mm, just curious. I, I love that. I believe there there can be many ones. Mm-hmm. I think for some people there's a one, of course, but I meet more people who have had a lot of ones in their lives. Um, you know, in I think sometimes people can get into a rut when they when they keep looking for that one, you know, the capital O one, um, to come into their lives. And if they compare everybody to this ideal fantasy, kind of like that Prince Charming, they can miss Mm -hmm. out on a lot of great ones, you know, that aren't, um, matching that ideal for them. We can get a lot of gifts from a lot of different people. Um, do I like to believe in that magic that there's some wonderful partner out there for people? Absolutely. And that it is out there. What do you think? I think so. I totally believe. Well, I, I kind of have, it's twofold on the soulmate and the one, because I've read and, and experienced, as you said, multiple ones, if you will. I've been in love multiple times, and each one has given me experiences that the other one maybe lacked or didn't have. They've challenged me, and I've, I've really had to create and invent and dig deep into myself and do the inner work with every relationship I've been a part of. And now I would say that the man I married would be what I consider to be my soulmate, but it's not without work and it's not without, you know, sometimes having to do something I don't feel comfortable about doing. Right. But I definitely feel that romantic sort of soulmate love that they say about on the movies. I Mm -hmm. do believe I got that. And I'm not saying that everybody that I've ever met has, has also received that, but I, I believe it exists. I really do. And I think it's a choice as to whether or not you're willing to maybe wait or if you're really willing to, to give yourself the opportunity to meet that person. And yeah. I think it took me a long time to, to really be ready because I was in every single one of your categories. I was a love connector. I was not good enough. I wanted to be loved. I was both of those. Right. And I kept creating. I was the shapeshifter, as I call it. I was the girl who I love would it. squeeze a square peg in a round hole yep. and try to make a relationship work versus actually yeah. actually be myself, which kind okay. of leads me to another part of this question is. Well, let's, before you go on to that, we're going to stop for a commercial break. So we'll come back to that shape shifting and idea and being authentic. I'd love to talk about it. So right now we're going to take a break. This is the Destination Love Show with Shelly Pumphrey. You can check us out um, at ShellyPumphrey.com. And that is Shelly spelled C-H-E-L-L-I. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Welcome back to Destination Love. This is Shelley Pumphrey, your host, and I'm here chatting with Willa Bradner, the accidental psychic, and we are talking all about relationships And before a commercial break, we were just starting to talk a little bit about what I love. uh, Willow's term was shape-shifting in a relationship, or I should say maybe talking more about authenticity. What were you going to tell us about uh, or ask us about, Willow? Well, I just think it's interesting as a woman, well, and this is just a feminine perspective, of course, but I always found myself being a shape-shifter or somebody trying to into the other person's life and never really being authentic to myself. So multiple times in my relationships, I was, I was doing as I thought they wanted and I was putting words in their mouth and ideas in, in my head to think that that's what they would want out of me. And so I shape-shifted. I was like the square peg in the round hole and I would push it in as hard as I could and naturally it would break and naturally it never worked. But it took me time to find that authentic voice and to find myself, I guess, to like myself enough to put myself out there. So I guess speak to that perhaps a little bit, Shelley, like what, what you would say in that minute. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I had the same experience. Um, and so a lot of the work I do with people is to really help them be okay with being who they are. And one thing that I want to kind of tie in is this concept with the love styles People who are love connectors struggle with this so much because their brains are very wired to connect to a partner. And so sometimes they'll do anything they can to make that relationship work, even if they have to shapeshift to <laughs> to fit in. And so that that group of people in particular really struggles with how can I just be myself? Because if I'm myself, I may not be loved. I might be rejected or abandoned by this partner. So it's really important for people to learn how to be strong and and use their voice and be seen in a relationship and and trust that that's okay. Well, I think that's it, is just trusting that it's okay. And I think for myself, in my relationship, it took me getting to a place where I really realized I had nothing to lose but myself ever again. And after a really shit relationship, I decided that I would never have that happen to me again. I was never going to shapeshift again for a man. And so I better like myself and I better learn about myself a little bit. And I feel like what I kind of came out with was that to be in the best kind of relationship, if this was ever going to work, I was going to have to be in a relationship where I could poop with the door open. And what that meant for me was that put the shit on the table. Everything had to be out there. Like we don't, we literally don't poop with the door open just to be clear, but it's the (laughs) essence of that. Like there's no no whole bar. Like I know now that a relationship begins the day the first person farts in the room sitting next to the other person. Like now I know that that's what real relationships look like. (laughs) Right. Right. Let's just get real here for sure. I love it. It's so true though. Like let's put the shit on the table. I mean, why waste time hiding and then find out six months later, two years later that you're totally incompatible with each other because you've been hiding the whole time. There's nothing more Mm -hmm. miserable than that, you know, and we're all human we all do the same things and 
there's people who are going to be okay with who we are and there's people who aren't going to be okay. And but why know, do you think like, it's so difficult for us to really put ourselves out there that way? Like, is it just that we're afraid we'll not be good enough and we won't be loved if that's who we are? I think so. I mean, I, I think that knowing that those are, that's really one of the core issues that most humans have, at least most Americans have. I think that's the root of it. I also think that the attachment, um, you know, and the love styles play a big part in it as well. Um, more than people would ever realize, because most people don't even know what those, you know, what the love styles are. But um, yeah, it, that's a huge piece of it. We, the bottom line is we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And we can be willing to sacrifice anything in order to have those needs met sometimes. And including ourselves, we'll sacrifice exactly. ourselves. <laughs> That's, yeah, exactly. We're all willing irony. to do that. All irony. So, okay, so in that as well, we kind of speak to the vulnerability because to put ourselves out there is to truly be vulnerable, a.k.a. like unzip the birthday suit and voila, there you are. There's the real you, your your spirit, your truth, your, as, as the new coin phrase is authenticity, but really what is authenticity, but you know, yourself, open, undressed, naked to the world, you know, everything that you are on the table. Right. What I always like to say is that our hearts can't be broken. Our hearts are actually muscles. They can be stretched. They can be contracted. They can be bruised, but they can't be broken. Glass breaks, glass shatters, but hearts cannot be broken. So, when we get all of this fear about being ourselves, being vulnerable, um, and possibly getting our heart broken by somebody who rejects us, it's, you know, it's like we, we develop this, like, like this huge fear that we can't bear that pain. We don't ever want to go through that. So we're not going to put ourselves out there. But if you think of your heart as a muscle that, okay, the more that you use it, the stronger it's going to become. You know, like it's it there's no purpose served in keeping your heart hidden and unused inside of you for the rest of your life. That's not what it's there for. A muscle is meant to be used and worked out. So this brings me to the love paralyzed. Speaking mm-hmm. of the love style, because as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about a dear, dear friend of mine who I'm listening to this and I'm like, wow, she's neither She's neither resisting nor is she connecting. She's in that paralyzed zone. And it's because of the heartbreak. It's because of the vulnerability. And I always say she's somebody that if you scratch her, she scars for life. Uh-huh. And it's like that vulnerability. She's so terrified. I, to me, as you're talking about this, I can see the love paralyzed being really trapped in this in an inability to really go that vulnerable route. Do you want to speak mm-hmm. to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think... There's a lot to be said for that. I don't want to minimize how much heartbreak and any other kind of trauma we might have in our lives can affect us when it comes to our relationships. Sometimes people need to do a lot of work on that to make it okay. The way that I really like to look at it is that a lot of it is about the stories that we create in our mind about those things that happen to us. So, you know, I'll just like one of the things that I do just to kind of give an example of this is whenever I have broken up with somebody, um, you know, I have a lot of pain. My heart does feel like um, it's bruised and I sometimes feel like, oh, my gosh, how can I ever move on? But what I do is I work with my story around it. And the first thing I do every time I break up with somebody is that I change their name in my phone um, to something that will remind me of who they were to me. Like I, I change it to reframe the situation. So one person is the teacher of self-love. One person is, uh, do not respond crazy. So that was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that is the one be- or one before the next story. one. Like it's, it's a way to just playfully start to let go of the story of pain and to say, you know it. what? This happened, I'm going to find the gift in this situation, and I'm going to heal my heart, and I'm going to move on, and then I'm going to open my heart again, because every time I do it, my heart gets stronger, it gets bigger, and I can take more love in. And so creative. Yeah. I, it's, it's something that I, I want people to be able to, to, to do, and I also want to be sensitive to how hard that can feel for people as well. Mm-hmm. But with practice, yeah. it becomes easier. 
Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. We don't, there's no time frame on grief. We like right. to think that people just have to get over things, but there's really no time frame on grief. Absolutely. So this is one I think that this question is really, I think, paramount in America today. And I think it's paramount because I see our roles really shifting in the world. And that's this idea of masculine and feminine in relationships and the dynamic of both of these sort of stories. Because women have always been, but we're now been given the permission to be as strong and as dynamic and as independent as we currently are. But we still have to be somewhat feminine, perhaps, but or have to figure out how to be with men and, and also honor their masculine. Right. I, I love this question. And it's, it's something that I think is starting to be talked about more in this world, especially if you're, you know, interested in relationships. And I think um, I always like to tell people, this is not a topic about sexism. This is not about being the beaver cleaver, June cleaver kind of couple where the wife stays home and is submissive to the husband. It's not about that at all. It's more about um, this masculine and feminine energy, energy that we all have within us. So every woman and every man has some of each of those in them. And what happens, I see, like what I see in our culture, especially, you know, in the last several decades as women have had more power, is that a lot of the relationships become very reversed. Most of the time or much of the time, men are in, a, in naturally a more masculine energy and women are in a more natural feminine energy. But what happens in a relationship where there's a woman who has a lot of um, strong masculine energy is that she brings that into the relationship. Like maybe she's a lawyer or maybe she has, you know, she has to be in her masculine all day to have a really strong presence in her career. And then she comes home and brings that masculine energy to her relationship, which then emasculates her man. He starts to feel like she's in charge and is kind of wearing the pants. And again, this is not sexist. This is more about energy. Um, guys need to feel like they are in their masculine power and a masculine power feels um, like a provider, like a protector. He wants to feel like you can let go and trust him and trust his decisions. And so how do we shift that, Shelly? And I'm interrupting because Yet again, I feel like you put this entire radio show together for me today um, <laughs> because this is my marriage. And no, I'm not a high-powered attorney, but I definitely have strapped one on, and I think I'm really way more attached to my masculine energy than my feminine, and I bring it home absolutely, like absolutely my poor husband some days just probably with, I mean, luckily he has dirt bikes and, you know, power tools, but I think he would really love it if I could lean more into him and be more feminine. So how can I, how can I serve that? And how, how do you shift back into that feminine energy? Yeah. You know, it's hard when you already have a relationship established in that way, um, because you're both contributing to it. He's being more feminine and you're being more masculine. Um, so some of the ways to work with it are, first of all, to acknowledge that men and women are very different. We, As women, we often expect our men to like be exactly like us. And the reality is, is they're not. Our brains are wired very differently. You know, we, we are taught to look at everything like we're, we're the gatherers. We're, we're supposed to look at everything at the big picture. We're very like process oriented and men are like, they're the hunters. They're meant to just go and get what they need to get done. You know, it's like the, the hilarious shopping trip where the guy doesn't want to shop. He just wants to go in, get what he wants and leave. And the woman's got to spend hours touching everything and trying everything on. So we have to recognize that we're very different in those ways and respect those differences instead of looking down at each other um, from a pedestal and thinking the other person has to be like us. And to be a woman in her feminine energy, it's learning how to be okay with flowing with your emotions, flowing with that ease and that, you know, when you think of feminine energy, like you know, don't you just think of like kind of flowing and emotional and just kind of No, I think about crazy. that crying, vulnerable woman that I don't want to be like, mm. Shelly. <laughs> That's your masculine coming out. It makes out. me uncomfortable, just those words. Right. <laughs> well, and in a relationship, it becomes this really 
sometimes tricky but beautiful balance that you can strike with your husband where if you can start to relax and let him take over some, let him step up to the plate more like he naturally wants to, I'm sure he does, let him help, let him be in charge of some things and you just relax, you go be feminine or you go be masculine in, in developing your business and, and taking care of all of that stuff but let him be the man at home. And again, it's not that you don't get to make decisions and that you have to be the submissive, wimpy female. It is not about that at all. It's about the energy. No, but I think even just on a physical, like I'm thinking of this not in the sexist way at all either. I'm thinking about it in the like, letting him maybe even hold, like his big thing is I just want to give you a hug when you walk in the door and I'm all business. (laughs) Oh, girl. let just him give you a hug and let me hug you. And I'm like, how about you let him I've give you a hug and take you into do. the bedroom? I'm on fire. <laughs> let him take you to the bedroom. Yeah, that's right. what he really wants. <laughs> I need to. I need to like yes. drop drop my stuff and like chill out. <laughs> right. It's all about surrender. Like that's mm-hmm. if there is a word to say for the feminine, like I would say it's it's surrender, surrender mm-hmm. and trust that it's okay to surrender to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So I'm going to stop us there, Willow, because we are getting close to the end of our program here today. And like, I love this topic and I can tell that you and I could probably talk about it forever. Um, so I want to say I'm going to actually do a few series on this, this area of masculine and feminine in relationships. Um, I'm going to have some really great speakers come on to talk to us about this so we can understand it more. Um, so in drawing to a close here today, I just, I want to say thank you so much, Willow, for being here. It was fun to talk with you and just to introduce some of the, some of the broader topics that we'll be talking about here over the next, uh, several months in Destination Love. And, um, I want to remind everybody that if you want to visit my uh, website, I can be found at ShellyPumphrey.com or you can follow me on Facebook at Authentic Date. And uh, Willow, uh, anything you want to say, any last minute words or where people can find you if they'd like to? Well, I would just want to say, Shelly, I love you. And seriously, I'm just sending all my friends to you now. I just have like a list that I've been writing this whole time. And I just hope to make you rich and famous and that this is going to be just amazing. I hope everybody follows you. Um, As far as I'm concerned, you can find me at willowbradner.com. Uh, if you want to find out about Accidental Psychic and how you can get involved with my work. But in the meantime, you guys, keep listening to Shelly. She's the bomb. Love her. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Love you, too. Thank you so much. Want the same for you, too. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Destination Love. you for making a weekly visit to Destination Love. Please join Shelley Pumphrey again next Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be brave, be you, be loved. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.